This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Know the Game podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Conwell, and I'm pretty happy to be bringing to you a new and different type of guest than we've had in the past. So we're up to episode 10, and now we're getting into some of the more interesting things of why we have this podcast in the first place. So as the name implies, know the game. Um, The whole purpose of this podcast is to really show you different parts of the sport and how it works on the field and how it works off the field. So the past few episodes have definitely been focused on this off the field part with the NLL commissioner, Nick Sakevich, with uh, the NLL chief marketing officer, Ashley Dabb. Um, both of those are definitely interesting, but now we're going to go to completely different level, which is the administration, especially within youth sports. So the guest that we have today, he is the founder of the Payball app, which is something new that's out there. And because it's an an app, I want to make sure uh, expectations are pretty clear here for everyone that's listening. Um, This is not just a a big um, app commercial that you're going to be hearing here. Um, Payball is not a sponsor of the show. Um, when we were talking to them within Lex All-Stars, the idea came up of, you know, having Pete come on the show here and do a little interview, talk about what he's trying to do. And I was kind of hesitant at first. So called Pete up, we had a conversation and quite honestly, we could have hit record on that conversation and, pretty much had the show right there. I mean, we talked a while completely informally. Um, One of the things that I really want to figure out was, is this someone just making an app to make an app? And, you know, they see some somewhere where they can try to make some money or is there a real problem? And is the solution that they've come up with something that makes sense for what they're trying to do? So I I grilled them pretty hard in uh, that initial interview. Um, and I came away pretty impressed, um, being someone that is involved with a youth lacrosse organization, I do see a lot of the problems that he talks about. He really dives into the part of running teams that people do not talk about much at all. Even the people that are involved with it don't even talk about that much. And that is the payment aspect of financing this game that we love. So when you are involved with a team, there's usually some sort of dues involved, player registration fees, whatever that might be. And as anybody involved with money will tell you, money in, money out. So all that money's coming in at the start of the season to get players signed up. All that money has to go out somewhere, and that's people getting paid. In a lot of organizations, there are many different ways to do that, and it is filled with problems. So Pete saw this, and he uh, threw his software background at it and came up with a pretty cool little app. So 
The focus of the show, though, it's Pete. It's talking about the problems, seeing if it's anything you can relate to, anything you can identify with organizations you're involved with. And then we take it to the next step and what his solution is. Um, honestly, that's a pretty small portion of what we talk about, but when he does go into it, it should give you some good information for finding out if this is a type of solution that can work for your organization. So let's, uh, hear from our sponsor, Summit Lacrosse Ventures first, and then we'll dive into our interview with Pete Macover from Payball. And now back to the show. All right, welcome to this week's show. And this week we have Pete Macover, who is the founder of Payball, which is a, a new app that is out there to help with the payments in the sports world. I'm not saying it's a lacrosse world, but you know, sports world is where it's geared towards, but obviously it's applicable to other things. Um, but Pete comes from the lacrosse world originally, which is why we're talking to him. And, you know, he's got a really interesting story for how this whole idea came about. And, you know, one of the big reasons why we're having him on here is, you know, these are very common problems within the lacrosse world. And, you know, within lacrosse all-stars, we're always trying to grow the game. And, you know, a big part of being able to grow the game, make it bigger, make it more accessible is lowering as many barriers as possible. So before we go into that too much, um, you know, introduce you to Pete. So Pete, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, Ryan. And thank you. And why don't you just give everyone about a, a minute, um, you know, quick bio. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Why are we talking to you now? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Syosset, Long Island. Um, where, you know, obviously a lacrosse hotbed, uh, went to a summer camp in Maine where the owner was actually on the Johns Hopkins, uh, athletic department. So we had a huge contingency of Baltimore kids, McDonough, um, boys, Latin, etc. So I got exposed to lacrosse at a very young age and, uh, fell in love with it. Um, grew up playing three sports throughout high school, went on to play lacrosse for Penn state, was captain of the 93 team, um, actually, Interesting side story was met my wife at the Vale Lacrosse shootout. Uh, the summer after that, she was captain of the Lehigh team. And so as you can imagine, we're kind of a lacrosse family now. We have two kids who are starting to age out of the youth realm into high school. Uh, but we've been very active in our kids' sports. And, you know, that, that, as we'll get into, is, you know, part and parcel with the story of the birth of payball just from a personal experience standpoint. Now, I do find that interesting that you're from Long Island, but you really picked up lacrosse because you went up to Maine. That's got to <laughs> yeah. be the least known lacrosse <laughs> origin story I've ever heard. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, it, it was really um, fertile grounds. Uh, we really were surrounded by kids from Baltimore, and, you know, they, they were, you know, that's their way of life. And having a guy from Johns Hopkins, I mean, we had the Chickaroni brothers as uh, some of my, my campmates as well. So it was just, you know, a heavy dose for sure. 
All right, so how did that beginning bring you to Penn State? So what was what was it that brought you to um, you know, State College, Pennsylvania? That's an easy one, my older brother. Um, so so uh, you know, my older brother also, you know, I followed in his footsteps. He played all three sports that I played in high school. And I followed him. Uh, he went on to play at Penn State. He was captain of the team. He's six years older than me. Um, my older sister went to Penn State as well, followed him. So by the time I came around thinking about colleges, you know, had such, you know, I would go up and visit them and was so impressed with the school and had such a great time. It was a pretty easy step to, to say that I'm going to try that out as well uh, and had a wonderful time. It's a great school. Yeah, and that's one of those things with Penn State is I don't think there's anybody that's set foot on that campus that doesn't just rave about how much of a college town that is. And you know, yeah. it, it just takes over you know, being part of that community. It, it does. I mean, all you need to do is go to one football game, and it's pretty hard to compete against for sure. Now, do you still have any close ties to the program? Do you kind of observe from afar? Um, you know, what's your involvement there? That's a great question. It actually, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I'd say that I, I was not as close to it as I would like to have been for a, a while. And I, I think that probably is pretty common of a lot of alumni. You get swept up in your own, you know, you have young kids and you have a career and, and it's hard to keep up. Degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really nicely, in the last uh, several years, I've definitely gotten drawn back in. Uh, one of the things that they've done a great job of is they built this mentorship program. Actually, my brother helped spearhead it. Um, but Tambroni and my brother and a, a player that a lot of people are going to know, Marty Lyons, um, spearheaded this mentorship program, and I become part of that. And so I have a, a you know a freshman that comes in, I assign to him, we start building a relationship, and it's a, been a fantastic way of really feeling like you're getting your finger back on the pulse and you're you're getting more involved and contributing, uh, and I've loved it. Now, how big is it to you as an alumni to actually have Big Ten lacrosse as uh, that's pretty cool. So I, I unfortunately, we entered the Big Ten, I think it was the year after I left. And I remember, I mean, we, we used to joke around about, you know, the, the well, look, compared to other schools, you know, Penn State had, a, I'm sure, a big budget regardless for athletics. But we were still wearing, you know, the same kind of practice pennies and whatever else from probably a decade or so earlier at least. Um I think the year after I left, came back to go watch a game, and so you know everybody was decked out with Nike, everything, and and uh, you could just see that you know it, it really helped kind of take the program to another level, um, and really put them on the map, um, you know, and that was right around the same time that you know, Ohio State was starting to become huge as well, um, and it just uh, it, it's fun to think that you're in the Big Ten compared to it being uh, independent. It was fun enough when I was there, but definitely Big Ten helps. Yeah, because that was one of the things when Michigan decided to go and you know bring in Division One lacrosse and upgrade their club team, and why everyone wanted to just pile on the points when they could in those first few years. It wasn't a oh let's support Michigan and you know let them get off the ground. It was this school is going to become a behemoth and we need to take our shots where we can. And, and right. it just seems to be like what the Big Ten does. Right. Um, you know, those are not small athletic programs. Right. I mean, they shouldn't need too too much uh, help recruiting either. Um, I officially am not allowed to support anything with Michigan. <laughs> um, I was actually just talking to somebody earlier today, and, and as we start our dialogue, they say, well, I, I have to tell you, I'm, I went to Michigan. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of good banter. Um, but I would imagine, and I hope that they, they, in short order, will become a serious contender as well. 
And where do you see Penn State? Because you know they had a they had a nice showing a couple years ago. Got in yeah. the got in the tournament. Got to host a game. Obviously, didn't go the way that you would have wanted right. it to. But right. you know, pretty good coach leading things up. Oh yeah, um, I mean we're huge fans of Tambroni and what he's done for the program is just enormous. Um, I'm so impressed with the guy. So as I've gotten closer to uh, the team again. You know, just meeting the players, they're, they're so impressive. I mean, they're really uh, fantastic young men. You know, they are, they're, that's the key thing. You know, they're young men at this point, right? They're still kind of kids. Uh, but um, they really hold themselves, like, even off the field in such a great way. And you could tell that's part of the culture of the team and what he demands and what they buy into when they get recruited there. Um, so they've been really fun to watch. And, you know, every year we all, all of us alumni get all excited and then, you know, uh, things happen like chris hogan giving a shout out to penn state lacrosse i mean my facebook lit up within seconds when that happened uh you it's, mean it's chris hogan um so we got he came to a, a game uh last year when they played fairfield it's near where i live um and he was there and, you know, that was a big huge thing for us and for, to bring my son over to meet him as well it's pretty cool yeah and that's one of those things where penn state you know, they're not a school that's been sitting with a ton of national championships, but you seem to have a lot of very visible alumni. I mean, obviously, Chris Hogan is, you know, someone that transcends, obviously, way beyond the cross. You know, playing for the Patriots is a pretty big deal, even though we're in New England. You know, you and I are in New England right, right. now, but, um, you know, that's a pretty well-known football team right. anywhere you go. <laughs> um, but also, you know, Drew Adams, Greg and Chris Schiller right. are all, you know, top of the game you know yeah in in every form of it really i mean you know schiller with the nll internationally yeah. and winning the mvp of the mll yeah. as you know, the beast. a face-off guy yeah yeah <laughs> um you know even though you don't have the the major team accolades up there at the top um you know penn state's still producing a lot and you know staying on the map yeah, for sure. Um, you know, in fact, you mentioned Drew. Uh, Drew and I become good friends over the last uh, year and a half, actually through Payball, um, just through connecting. I, he's a tremendous person. Um, but it's been fun to see the success of those individuals, for sure. Now, that gives me a good segue. You brought up Payball. Yeah, yeah. So um, before we jump into what your app actually does, yeah. um, one of the things, you know, we, we spoke beforehand and you know, just get a, a feel for what your app did and, you know, what, what problems yeah. you were trying to solve. Um, one of the things I was pretty fascinated by is you have done a ton of research into just the problem that exists um, within lacrosse. And I say lacrosse as a whole because it's youth lacrosse, it's clubs, it's events, it's leagues, it's everywhere that some sort of payment has to happen. And whether it's you know run by one person, run by 10 people, um, you know, these are things that do pop up. So why don't you tell us about some of the common problems you've seen in the payment side of the lacrosse world? Sure. Uh, that is a good segue. Um, so what I found was from when doing my research, you know, I, I, before I decided to really launch into this, I wanted to make sure there was actually a need and it wasn't my organization that just seemed to be the outlier, but sure enough, as you know, as you and I are, you know, in a place where, or actually, I won't, I won't age you. You're not in the same place as me, but I am in a place where my kids were, you know, I'm in the demographic where um, I have a lot of friends and family around the country that are in the same boat as I am. So I made a lot of phone calls to start and asked them what they were doing, and 
and found out that everybody is doing the same thing we're doing, which is either paying by cash or by check, um, whether they're paying the referees, their coaches, uh, their clinicians, event staff, like you said. Uh, so I was surprised to find that, um, you know, and, and, and actually that's played out over the course of the last couple of years. I've obviously talked to now thousands of people, and uh, nine out of ten are either paying people with cash or check. Uh, which is astounding to me when you know we're all using technology for doing everything else to manage our organization, whether it's having a team website, player registration, game scheduling, even referee assigning. Uh, but it's strangely, when we get to that last point of actually paying the people that we're using the technology to put there, we seem to go back to the dark ages and still rely on cash and check, just I think simply because that's just the way it's always been done and it hasn't caught on yet. Um, but with those processes, with cash or with check, there's a tremendous amount of administrative overhead that there's a tremendous amount of administrative overhead that goes uh, into that process just to get to the point of doing the payment. Uh, and you know the backstory to payroll is that I was part of that process. Um, so some of the examples, you know, uh, an organization often will arm their coaches with a stipend for the season of here's your I'm making the numbers up obviously, but here's your thousand dollars. Coach one, coach two. Here's your thousand dollars. You know, here's your amount of money that you're going to use for the rest of the season to be able to pay your refs, for example, at game time. You know, you think about the process that has to happen. Then, well, first of all, somebody from the organization, the treasurer, let's say, has to go and go to the bank and take out thousands of dollars. Right? You have twenty thousand coaches. You're doing that to. You just, I mean, twenty coaches. You've just done that too. You have twenty thousand dollars that you've just taken out of the bank, walking around with it. You go somewhere and you have to find that coach and hand it off. You know, there's stories about, you know, people meeting in parking lots on a Sunday morning, handing over an envelope of $1,000. You know, it looks shady. It feels shady. Um, and then the coach who gets that is either holding on to that in their house or more likely probably putting it into their bank so that they have it there for the taking. And then that brings us to the next point about game day. You know, you're coaching your kid and, you're, and their team. And you have a million things you got to remember about your lineup, your subs, your do you have the balls? Do you have the equipment? Um, oh, right, I'm supposed to go to the ATM and get money out, right? And hopefully you remember to do that. You know, you take that to the next step. Well, maybe the, the fees are $45 for the game. Well, you've just gotten something out of the ATM that's $20 bills. Now you got to have exact change. So all these things happen in the, in the physical real world is the point. Um, and it's a tremendous headache and a lot of admin. And we haven't, I haven't gotten into, and I won't, um, but, you know, there's the whole backside of that then too of, tracking those payments and keeping um, a log of them or bookkeeping um, and making sure you're filing your taxes. All those things have to happen. And when you're in the cash or check world, that's really hard to do. And often because of that, organizations actually don't end up doing it. Right. And I do find it funny you're talking about the you know, $45 payment. There was um, this past summer, one of the teams I was running, we were responsible for paying the refs. And whenever I had to take out money for it, they actually ended in a $15 increment. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things where paying two refs, both of them ending with the $15 increment, and then not just, you know, kind of breaking, you know, a 20 trying to get a five. It was also, you know, trying to get $30 in, you know, yeah. two times the size of, you can't do that with an ATM. Well, most ATMs. I mean, right. Once in a while you can, but, you know, that just adds another extra step of my pregame prep was going to, you know, and usually I find like a grocery store or something that was open on a, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, because of course that's when banks are closed, 
and you know, just trying to find one of those to you know break a couple twenty for right. me. And again, it's it's adding an extra step that all right, that's twenty more minutes that I just lost. Absolutely, I, true story. Uh, only two years ago, I think it was, my parents came up to go to come watch their grandson, my son, play in a lacrosse game, and at the end of the game. I didn't have cash on me. I forgot to go to the ATM. I had to go up to my parents and say, thanks so much for coming to watch the game. Do you have $95 for me that I can use to pay the refs, please? Uh, it, you know, that happens all the time. And with the checks, that was something that I, I serve on a youth board as well. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that we do is we, we don't really do the cash payments, but we do checks. And that does mean, um, at least with our organization, I don't know how common this is, you know, Perhaps you've looked into that too, mm-hmm. but we do the check writing privileges. Um, so you know, basically, it's like the president and treasurer have the ability to actually sign checks for the organization account. Right. Which means every single day that we're hosting games, which means that in our league, that's that puts the responsibility on us for the payments of U9, U11, U13, U15, all four games, all the refs need to get paid by us. And the only people I can sign the checks are one of those two people, which puts right. you in a situation of they sit there and watch every single game and pay the refs as they come off, hope that the refs are doing all the games right. <laughs> or maybe two of them, or you wind up in the situation where it's um, you know a check signed with a dollar value and no name on it, which is always a, an accounting nightmare. <laughs> or take that one step further. I've heard stories was just simply a blank check with the signature. Oh, even better. Right. Um, at, you, know, you really do. You start, and I've, I've heard, the, I feel like I've heard it all now, um, where uh, you know you f- hear all these different flavors of things that you just know inherently, like, that, that can't be good, right? And if you Google, you know, not, well, with checks, I mean, you're, you're not really exposed to fraud as much. But you Google fraud and youth sports, put those terms in, or embezzlement, youth sports. I mean, your you know, your laundry list of results is there for the taking. Uh, it's rampant, right? And it's not getting any better. And, and that's only the reported ones. You right. Know, there, there's a lot of these things. You're talking small organizations without massive budgets that you're not going to get a story in the paper because someone, you know, stole $2,000. Right. And, and, and nobody, you know, a lot of organizations don't want to necessarily air that out. Right. right? That's not something anybody feels good about. Um, you know, another thing that I hear about with checks um, that's not uncommon is because it's harder to do, it's, you know, somebody might physically write out the checks as they do it, and it might often will be centralized to one person in the organization. Uh, because of all that and the process that it takes to get that person the information about who is owed what, the payment cycle takes quite a while. So I have one organization, a uh, baseball little league around me, that was doing payments once a month at best. Right? And as you can imagine, the umpires were not thrilled about having to wait so long, plus having to kind of keep their own little list of um, you know, who, who owes me what. Uh, so this, they ended up transitioning to payball, and because it's so much easier to do the payments and you know do them fast in a digital way, they were able to cut down that uh, speed in which they can pay to every week or two, uh, which kind of makes you know best of both worlds for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean you have you have time delays, you have administrative overhead, you have big, huge kind of glaring risk when you're putting out blank checks, when you're giving wads of cash to people um, with no kind of tracking or reconciliation available. 
And I think a one one thing to point out for people that may just be shaking their heads at why so many of these bad decisions get made is you're dealing with largely volunteer or um, you know lightly paid positions. Um, you know, it's a lot of parents that have all the same sports parent thing going mm-hmm. on, or people from the community just kind of donating a couple hours of their time to a program. And they're trying to do the best with what they have. These are not full-time treasurers with an accounting office. Um, right. Or the, these are positions that generally rotate through the organization. You might only have it for a season, which means at the start of the season, you're learning all this stuff. Right. And by the time you actually figure out the end of it, it's going to transition to somebody else. So with that rotational nature of the position, that does build in a lot of variables that you can't totally standardize a paper-based process right. or, you know, who has the books and the envelopes and all that sort of stuff. Who's right. on vacation? Who doesn't go on vacation and all that? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to bed down a standard process. And on top of it, you hit it on the head. I mean, these are all volunteers, right? And so all of us who are in this world are, are putting in already ridiculous amounts of time just for simple love of child, love of community, love of sport. Um, you know, the adding on, and, and that's, that's even without the payment piece of it in, right? Adding in extra work to do the payments, um, it, it sometimes could be kind of like the deal breaker. And that was, that's one of the things that I feel like is important to address as well. A lot of organizations where I'm from, that's, this is certainly the case, it's hard to recruit volunteers. You know, you want a, a healthy pipeline of who's going to be the next young parent, essentially, who enters the fold, and we'd love to get that person involved. Yeah, who, who's um, been coming to all the games and you start noticing them hanging around all the practices too? Of, oh, they might be a yeah, and they're a little bit more vocal than your average parent, right? That, that kind of person <laughs> saying, ah, that looks like a good person to, to bring in. Um, you know, you want to break down as many of the barriers as possible for that person to get involved. Um, and part of that is saying, let's make your job as easy as possible. And you layer in all these factors and sometimes that can be kind of intimidating. Um, and I think about you know, you also want, you know, board members. So a lot of, you know, a lot of my world is talking to not-for-profit town leagues um, and they're all volunteer-based and you have usually have a board. You know, as a treasurer, putting your name up against this process that might have holes all over it and knowing that in this day and age, you know, you're kind of held up against that if something goes wrong personally is another intimidating factor that a lot of people would shy away from. Um, and you want to attract those CPAs out there and those people that have a finance background and please help us. Um, if they know enough to see what's going on, that might be enough to say, I don't want to get involved. Um, so all, all reasons that are just kind of creating uh, barriers and making it harder for people to kind of want to step up and get involved, which we're in a, a day and age where, you know, we want more and more of that. All right. So that brings us to the big questions, which is, okay, it's paper checks and cash. All right, we can agree that's not the best system. So if I want to go paperless, my first thought is PayPal, Venmo, something like that. I know there's a couple other versions out there. Those are kind of the big ones. Um, Why can we not just do that? Because obviously if we could, we'd also be doing it. Is it just a will problem, or is there actually something behind the scenes of why those are not solutions? There are a couple of answers to that, um, and you know they're all they're both good platforms in their own right for the specific uses that they're good for. So if I pick on Venmo for a moment, um, you know they're they're actually 
not supposed to be used for commercial purposes. It actually violates their terms of use if you use it for commercial purposes. They intend for you to use it with your friends to you know, split a, a restaurant bill or a cab fare. Um, if you look on their terms and you see and you try to use it to pay your referees, your coaches, you'll you know, and they hear and they see that, and they can you know terminate your uh, your can terminate your account. The account. Thank you. <laughs> um, but but more importantly, with some of the features you can't do with those, which I think are pretty important. We just the, the the example we just played out. If you have a bunch of coaches that you want to be able to have them make payments at the field using some kind of app, you need something where they can all share the same bank account. Right, so the organization has a bank account. You want your coaches to be able to make payments from that bank account, um, and yet you want to put controls on that. You're not all kind of sharing the same amount to be able to spend whatever you want. You can't do that with Venmo. You can't do that with PayPal. Well, as um, well as um, not sharing passwords. So if we talk of about course. risk mitigation, then um, yeah, anytime you're talking about a shared password that might work for some applications, when you're talking about something that has a direct link to a bank account, maybe not right. so much. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're you know a director of an organization and you're giving others the ability to make payments on behalf of your organization, you're certainly going to want some at least minimal controls over what can they do. You don't want to wake up one morning and find out that your bank account's been wiped out because somebody just cashed out. Um, so you can't really do that um, with any of the other platforms. That's one of the things that's unique uh, to Payball, which we can get into. Um, but, th- I mean, those are some of the things. Um, uh, apps like, Pay- uh, like Venmo um, also have limitations on how much you can spend. Um, because again, if you think about the premise of why they're there, it's really to you and your friends to share some funds. They're not thinking about commercial purposes. So you very quickly run into your limit of how much you can spend on a weekly basis. So it's just not a viable solution for an organization. And just so, uh, you know, kind of give the listeners an idea, um, you know, we're talking about pretty small stuff here, a ref here, you know, a, a coach there. What sort of, um, disbursement volumes have you actually seen, um, in, in some of your early customers as well as when you were looking around, what sort of volumes are we talking about on like a weekly, monthly, annual basis? Um, the easiest for me to answer that will be in an annual basis. I'm not so sure I have it at my fingertips to, or my tip my mind of, of weekly or monthly. But, I mean, there are plenty of organizations, you know, larger youth organizations or, let's say, tournament management companies that are doing large volumes of, of, um, of events. There are organizations, larger private organizations that are paying their coaches as well as their event staff, et cetera, they easily can spend over $500,000 um, a year uh, on their on those fees specifically. Um, That's much bigger than splitting the restaurant. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, right? And, and, you know, larger town, I've been with larger not-for-profit towns that have a, you know, not they're not massive, but they're substantial. Um, they can easily be spending 200000 a year or more. Yeah, because I think most towns are, you know, Easily in the tens of thousands, no matter Easily. what. Easily, yes. Um, you know whether or not they wind up there at the end of the year um, is a different question. But just you know the pure incoming money and outgoing is uh, you know if you're playing in any sort of reasonable sized league with you know regular facilities, rentals, and all that stuff, you're you're easily looking at tens of thousands. Yeah, and it's one of those things that people just don't think about, right? That's what's part of the problem probably is that this is an aspect of the game that nobody thinks about. I never did until I had to be thrown into that world. Um, you forget about the fact that, oh, we're not all out here volunteering. There are people that are being paid, and, have, and there's money that has to be spent to make this all happen. And you, know, you have to look under the hood for a second to realize very quickly, we're talking about big money here. 
mean, I, you know, I go back to the Googling for fraud. Like you'll see, I mean, there are people stealing, stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that means that there's more than that <laughs> per, yeah. per organization. So there's big money. Exactly. <laughs> so there, there's really big money out there that's being spent on these on youth sports in general. All right. So let's actually talk for a second about what does Payball do to actually solve these problems? Sure. Um, so the main idea of Payball is to have a really simplistic process both to get set up and then as well as to do payments. So the setup process for organization, for example, is really just to create a record for your organization and link its bank account so that you can make payments from it. Um, that's kind of step one. Step two is you add the members of your organization that you want to pay on their behalf. Now, not every organization has to decentralize and authorize multiple people. So we are using this example of coaches that kind of get authorized. Not everybody wants to do that, right? There might be, as an example, event managers that often want to centralize that. They have one person in the tournament company that wants to do the payments. Fair enough. That's fine. Um, but that's the easy setup process for them. On the people that are getting paid equally easy setup process. You sign up onto the app and you link your personal bank account so you can receive funds. Uh, in either case, we're talking about measure it in minutes about being set up. The actual payments are literally seconds. So to make a payment, you just simply bring up the payment form. You go search for the person that you're paying. You tap in the amount you're paying and you might put in a memo. Things like, you know, a typical U9 white team versus town X, right? And you hit send. The uh, the person being paid gets an immediate real-time alert saying you've just been paid this amount by such and such organization. Do you accept? They hit accept, and that triggers the ACH transfer. All right, so you were just mentioning there with you have to input. What else um, is really needed to do a transfer? So mm -hmm. I need to get paid. I'm not on PayPal. Um, right. So that's one of the things when you're dealing with Venmo, PayPal, other person-to-person -person payment apps, you know, you need to be friends with them or, you know, maybe a phone number, user ID, something like that. Right. I, I don't know. I'm just showing up to Rutgers game for the first time. I've never been here. Um, how do I get paid? So if you haven't gotten onto Payball yet, you as a the person who's paying you can still send you a payment. You know, we, we knew as we were starting off with this that, you know, this is going to happen. A time to get adopted and that's going to happen all the time where somebody comes up saying oh, i haven't signed up yet or i heard about it but i didn't do it yet so the person who is sending the payment can open up that payment form we just spoke about and instead of finding the person they can just tap in their email and still put in the amount put in a little memo hit send the person getting paid gets an email now and they say you've just been paid so much from this organization in order to claim the funds that are sitting there waiting for you you know, tap this to, to download the app and sign up and claim your funds. Um, and that, that's a really important part of just, uh, I call it kind of greasing the tracks for the person who hasn't quite gotten signed up yet. And do you have to use an app on your phone or do you have a desktop version? Right now, thank you for asking this good question. Uh, right now, it's just a mobile app. Um, I think one of the, I, I do see sometime in the, in the future building a desktop, I think for larger, more organized, or, or let's say more evolved um, organizations, so let's say a sports facility or a tournament director, where they do a lot of their work on a desktop, they act more like a business, having a desktop version is important. So I see that coming. Um, but that said, I, the, the main reason why it was built as a mobile app to start is I think it's really critical that the people at the field or at the event who know who has to get paid are empowered to actually make that payment. 
right? That's where you get this streamlining and efficiency is that, you know, whatever the schedule said, we've all seen that, you know, whoever shows up is not necessarily the same person. Person car broke down, they were sick, they didn't feel well, their friend's going to substitute for them, who knows what. Um, so I think it's really important for the person who's there to make that decision on who's being paid. If they're not empowered to do so, they usually at least have to then notify the person who's going to make the payment of who showed up. Now, if I were to be somebody running a town organization right now, and this is something that I want to start, do I need to go and have the league actually okay this to start? Like, what's the best um, what's the best route to actually getting this um, tried out to see if it works well for someone? So what I what I found is um, a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, there are some conferences that will mandate that all of their participating uh, member organizations have to use Payball. Um, there are some that have said, we'll promote it. We're not going to mandate it, but we'll promote it and hope that you know whoever wants to can. And there are some that have remained completely hands-off and it's down to the actual individual member organization, you know, the town league, for example, to say this is something we want to do. Um, and they'll put it in motion for just for their town and any of the games that are going on for their town where the town next door might be doing something different. Obviously there's a lot more information that could be available um, to everyone if they want to find out more about Payball. How do they do it? So how do they reach out to you? Where do they find you? Um, you know, what's the best way? Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think the easiest way, easiest first step is please check out our website, um, www.payballsports.com. Um, it has a lot of information on there. It has an uh, easy um, way of contacting us to talk to one of our salespeople to learn a little bit more um, or even just review the information and decide to go for it and sign up and start using it. Um, we're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, we're on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us. You know, the call sign is, uh, or the handle, sorry, the handle is at Payball App. All right, so... If you are interested, go out, reach out to them, either you know, straight to the web address, check out the social media handles, anything like that. But I can't let you away that easy. There's always five questions I ask for anybody that have on this <laughs> so let me uh, ask you a couple of these. Sure. First one, what is something from this past week, lacrosse-related or not, um, that has just made you laugh? It could just be a stupid video you saw sure. online or you know, uh, some funny thing from... Uh, Family members, what might be? Um, well, I, you know, I'm I'm in a fantasy football league, and one of the things that so many of us, so many leagues like this have, but ours does as well, is you know we get a recap. Somebody on the league is responsible for a recap at the end of the at the end of the week, and they you know usually try to be funny. Mine personally, um, we all tend to rely on YouTube's and clips uh, from past stuff that's just funny. Um, and what keeps coming up lately, which I, I think they're hysterical, hysterical are uh, Key and Peele. Um, I, I love those guys. Yeah, they're just hysterical. Now, the big question for your fantasy team is, do you have Chris Hogan on your team? I do. I do. <laughs> I'm sorry to say uh, he has not been producing much for me, Chris. Uh, but, no, I, out of loyalty, I had to. <laughs> I, had, I had him on my team last year. Somebody else had him this year, but... Uh, Yep, you gotta, and I'm a Giants fan. fan. Yeah, if you're the Lacrosse, <laughs> I'm a Bills fan. So like, oh, that's even worse. Yeah, a, that's a stretch. Yeah, but um, you know, if you're a Lacrosse player in a fantasy league, you gotta get you gotta get Chris Hogan. You also got 
got to get uh, Stephen Hauschka, kicker for the Bills. <laughs> you know, for one, they can't score touchdowns, so they always kick him. And he plays <laughs> for the Bills, so. Um, all right. Now, next thing is, what was the last lacrosse game you watched for fun? So I know that you're involved with the administration side of a lot of games. Right. You're there anyway, but what was the game you just sat back, watched, and enjoyed? Um, I, I'd have to say it was the final four from last year, which I'm sure you plenty of people said. And I actually I'd say specifically um the women's final four. I found the women's games uh this year at least, and no offense to the guys, but found the women's games to just be a bit more fast paced and exciting. Uh, they're 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 a, they are an impressive group of athletes. Yeah, and, and this year with the women's was fascinating because you had Stony Brookwood on fire, you had BC on fire. Obviously Maryland is, you know, next to impossible to beat yet none of them won it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think I had watched James Madison. Uh, maybe I did in the, sometime earlier in the season, but they just didn't register until that game. And, I mean, they were lights out incredible. Yeah, it's it, the everything that's going on in the women's game right now is just so much fun because you do have teams like James Madison come seemingly out of nowhere when, you know, like Stony Brook, Syracuse are getting a lot of headlines and haven't been able to crack you know, getting that national championship, BC obviously is right there. Right. Um, that, you know, it, it's exciting that the sport has grown so much that someone like James Madison can get, you know, the great class or two of girls together that can just go in and get the national championship. And yeah. That, that was an incredible feat. Absolutely. And I love that. I mean, this is part shameless plug, I guess. But, you know, the fact that they have now a next level to get to with the WPLL, uh, I love that, that there's that story to tell as well. And I'm, I'm excited to watch that unfold. Yeah, it's, you know, having that extra step for the women's game is gigantic. You talk to those players and you know, most of them had no dreams of playing after college. You know, you get the tournaments and, you know, maybe you can get the coach and keep the stick in your hand. But actually having that avenue and i know as we're recording this a whole bunch of them were just over in japan i saw that i saw that some incredible opportunities popping up there yeah so i mentioned shameless plug they're they're a a payball customer um we're their official payment partner and you know i i couldn't be more excited at a very you know it is a really personal level you said like payballs for all sports but i'm a lacrosse guy so um and i have a daughter who plays so you know just seeing that unfold and and the seeing how they interact with each other there's a very personal story kind of unfolding for them and it's wonderful to watch and i, I do have to you know i'm obligated to also say lax all-stars did broadcast all the wpll games so they're <laughs> our partner them, but they're fun to watch anyway <laughs> all right um next thing is with all the fun lacrosse discussion that happens you know within the community what is something that you think people spend too much time focusing on? Um, well, I'm not sure this is a direct answer to the question, but let me answer it this way. Um, I just mentioned I, I have a, a daughter who plays uh, – I have a daughter and a son who plays. My daughter's a little older, so we, and she's just kind of entering that bubble where recruitment starts being a, a high topic of conversation, uh, and it's stressful. <laughs> it's a, it definitely is a, a stressful – time period to think about that stuff as parents um it's very different from the very different from when my wife and i were in high school getting recruited um 
I love the fact that they made the rule personally um, to start recruiting at a later age uh, because it's just helped to postpone that stress a little bit. Um, but I would love to see some so – I don't know what the solution is, but I'd love to see some way of getting back to something that's not – it doesn't feel like such a such a long job interview. Yep. I have um, a coworker of mine that his daughter, I think, is entering fifth grade as a basketball player. And he's already stressing out over which team she needs to Oh, my. For. <laughs> it does happen. I, I don't have any good answers for him because it's, you know, especially in the basketball world and getting that AAU circuit. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know, that fifth grade team gets locked into that sixth grade team, which then feeds you up into seventh and eighth. And then you start getting the looks at the high school. And if you get the right looks at the high school, and then it all comes back to being good when you're 10 years old. So what you're saying is it's universal. It's not just lacrosse. It's, it's everywhere. Well, the, the, the template is there that we could follow or we could not follow. Right. So you know, alleviating the stress of parents, I think, is a, a definitely a good goal to have. Um, so flip side of that is what is something that does not get enough attention from the lacrosse world? Wow. I'm biased. That's easy. Uh, the administrative arm of all the work that has to go into making these sports happen. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, there are, there are, like we said, there's an army of volunteers out there across the country, across the world, frankly. Um, and there, and it's hard, right? There's a lot of work to go to and it's fun. I love it. I'm going to miss it like crazy when, when I no longer can do it. Um, but I, I think that there's, it's not noticed often. And, you know, you get, you get a lot of parents that are, you know, feeling like the things should be happening better, working better. My response to them is always like, that's fantastic. It sounds like you would like to volunteer and get involved. Uh, I love that. And then you see all the blood drain from their kids. And then, you know, usually it's crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny you, you mentioned that too because it's outside of even just game. It's just pure logistics of games happening. Um, one of the big events that we have with them uh, for lacrosse all-stars is the, the North American Invitational, the box tournament up in Onondaga. And I was talking to the person that was running a lot of the stats at one of our locations. So, um, you know, she was heading up, getting the score sheets out, getting, you know, the actual stats from the games recorded, as well as getting those input and shared so we know what the scores are, what the, who is doing the scoring, penalties, all that stuff. Very critical thing to running a tournament like mm. that. And that happens at every single tournament you have. And I was just was sitting there talking to her at one point. I said, so I know why I'm here. So, you know, I'm with Lacrosse All-Stars. I, I love this sport. You know, it, this is where all the free time I have in the world goes. I'm like, why are you here? Like, I can't even, I, it's like, I know it's going to come off as worse than it should, but, like, what is your story? And, and it's funny because everyone that is involved has some sort of story. So like that right. pulls them in because there is an enormous amount of time that people do just give to the sport in many different forms, different organizations, but um, you know, it all goes so under the radar that if you're yeah. not directly involved, you just don't see it. Yeah. All right, so the very last question is always a fun one. If you were given $50 million to spend on the sport somehow, you know, it could be professional, down to youth, could be international, um, you know, finding equipment, starting organizations, whatever it might be. Um, what do you think is the best way to disperse that? Um, so I, I think I have a bit of a personal slant on this one. So I live in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is a city. 
um, as opposed to, let's say, a town. We are surrounded, and, and again, this is through the lens of lacrosse, let's say, but it, it could go well beyond that. Um, you know, our town is surrounded by the big names that everybody knows of, right? Darien, New Canaan, Greenwich, Wilton, Weston. Um, those, I'd say, are towns. We're a city. We have a huge socioeconomic uh, range of, of, uh, of citizens. Um, and we're, we're always budget-strapped for everything. Um, I would love to, and, I, and I'd love, and as, as a result, you know, I think partly because of that, um, you know, Norwalk isn't at the same level skill-wise, uh, perennially at least, as some of these other towns. Um, and I think part of that is about the budget. And I would, and I know U.S. Lacrosse um, does a tremendous job of trying to grow the game and trying to build it in inner cities and give opportunities to kids that wouldn't necessarily have it otherwise. I'd love to see 100% of those funds go to really. Um, pouring it into that mission of looking to our, towards our inner cities and seeing what a great opportunity this is. And, and there's some great stories, you know, at least, in, again, I'm from right on the outskirts of New York City. So this is, again, in my backyard, but I, I'm sure many of your listeners know about Harlem lacrosse. Um, there's also Bronx lacrosse, uh, which we had the opportunity to have them come out and play with us for a day. Uh, both organizations come out. And it's fantastic to see what, that connection can do and the doors that it can open that wouldn't necessarily have been open to some of those people. Yeah. And I think that's something that some people don't realize that when you are in a city, it is much different from a town because I grew up in a town, you know, suburban outside of Syracuse, there were fields everywhere. Every single elementary school, middle school, high school had minimum five, six full grass fields, you know, at your disposal. Um, you know, sort of there were lacrosse goals on some of them, not all of them, and, you know, big empty walls all over the place. Um, but when you go to a city, if you want to actually get lacrosse going, um, if I think of downtown Boston, there's a handful of turf fields in the entire city, like yeah. little metro Boston. Um, and, you know, they're in full use for yeah. the entire day already. You know, yeah. there are not many empty fields where someone can just grab a couple of balls and go work on their shooting um you know if you seek it out it's probably there but that's much different than you know you just sitting in the backyard with a couple of your friends because you have a backyard yeah (laughs) and having that ability to just keep growing within yourself and not having to have all the structured stuff around you all the time Absolutely. I mentioned the Bronx lacrosse group that we were planning on going to them, um, but they didn't. Ha- they literally don't have a field, period. Um, they, you know, it's not like we only get one once in a while. They just don't. So we had them come out to us instead. Um, but it is definitely, I mean, resources are constrained, uh, both the real estate um, and then just, you know, and volunteers and getting a program up and running you know, getting people in the lacrosse world, at least getting people educated about lacrosse. Um, you know, not everybody is, is aware of it when you're in a big city, right? It doesn't have nearly, nearly as much uptake as the main sports, you know, the basketballs, the soccers, footballs, baseballs, etc. Yeah. And even if you, you know, consider where you are in the world where I am, you know, we're in quote unquote hotbeds. Um, right. You know, you're not on Long Island, but you're pretty close to yep. it. You've got major schools surrounding you at all times and you know boston is uh we have the mass bay youth lacrosse league which is the largest youth organization in the country right um 
but I still run into people all the time that have no idea what lacrosse is. Right. You know, not not even specifics of what teams are around or you know that Yale just won a national championship. They just like, oh, is that the thing with the nets? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the most way I spend my life. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there there is just that extra step of getting it into the consciousness, like you described. Yeah. All right. Well, we've pretty much hit our time. Um, so I do want to thank you once again for coming on the show. And I'll give you one uh, one last chance to give a plug. How do we reach you at Payball? Well, Brian, thanks again for having me. Um, it really is a pleasure to be able to talk to you and, and to have a voice to this audience. Um, to, to find out more about Payball, uh, you can go to the website, www.payballsports.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Our handle is Payball App. All right. So thank you once again, and you know, good luck growing your business, and we'll uh, see how Penn State does on that. <laughs> we are. Thank you very much, Ryan. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you again for listening, and. I want to remind you once again on our Lacrosse All-Stars podcast network, we have the Outside the Eight with Cassie Brunel. If you haven't heard any of those with the women's game, go back and get caught up there. And the newest one, which is the Lacrosse Classified podcast, focusing on the NLL. That season's about to ramp up, so get excited there. Um, and, of course, just go to laxallstars.com. Um, as the seasons start going, we have a lot of season previews going out for the NLL. That's going to get rolling. You're going to start seeing a lot more MLL and PLL coverage for both those pro outdoor leagues for the men's side. And NCAA is going to start ramping up pretty soon here. So start checking the website. Check us out at at Lax All Stars across your various social media platforms, whatever your platform of choice is, we're probably there. And just, hey, keep coming to us, stay informed, and get out there and grow the game.